Work might not look like it did a year ago, but the essence of work is the same. We still get up, get going, and give it our best. We still desire to get better. We win by making progress every day. And while the tools and technologies that make this possible are quite remarkable, it is the talent and drive of each individual employee that makes your business exceptional. When you manage this type of experience, your organization, like its employees, will also do and be its best. SAP Human Experience Management Solutions puts the employee experience ahead of everything. They give you the tools to boost productivity, confidence, and engagement. And that's how experience wins. Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Barbara Mason, the group head and chief human resource officer of Scotiabank. In 2010, she was inducted into Canada's most powerful women, top 100 Hall of Fame by the Women's Executive Network. She has over 9,000 followers on LinkedIn. She heads up Scotiabank with a global responsibility for human resources, marketing, and real estate across Scotiabank. As a member of the bank's operating committee, she is responsible for helping to determine and guide the overall strategic direction of the bank. She joined the bank in 1982 and has held progressively senior positions in retail banking, credit cards, marketing, sales and service, wealth management, and human resources. Wow. I'm beyond impressed. So thank you for joining me today, Barbara. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's it's real. It's a real honor and pleasure to be here. So I would love to sort of go back to your youth and figure out, was the banking world something you always desired to be a part of? Were numbers a thing for you? Or was it people that sort of drove your direction? Well, it's interesting because I'm an urban geographer by education. And the only reason I got into banking was that I graduated in 80. It was a recession at the time. Retailers weren't hiring in my area of competency. And so I thought, okay, I got to find something. And this bank, Scotiabank, had an ad in the local paper for what's called a branch location analyst to figure out where to put bank branches. That's my specialty, spatial analysis at the time. And so I thought, well, it's a, it's, it's a job in my field, so I'll take it. So I was not interested in banking. And I came here and it was... You know, it was a bit of a shock in terms of the type of people that worked here and what a bank was all about, but it was in my area specialty, so I jumped on it. And then I've been here 40 years since. Wow. Yeah. I, I always find it refreshing when you when you hear that someone's been somewhere for 40 years because, yeah, you know, now people work for two years somewhere and they keep jumping around. So to hear that someone's been that dedicated is always refreshing. What did you walk into? fascinating what I walked into. It was, um, I'll, maybe I'll put it this way. I'd never seen so much Brill cream in my life. Male dominated. I was in head office. And so the, the company probably had 70% or 60% women, but they were working in branches and in operations. And I was in the head office function. So where all the corporate head office employees were, and that was truly predominantly male, especially in the senior ranks. And, you know, the skill set was your point earlier, accounting, finance, credit risk, and nowhere I wasn't interested in that. I wasn't expert in it. And so I truly felt quite entrepreneurial here. And, you know, sometimes like an imposter, that's for sure, because I didn't fit into what was, quote, the norm in terms of either skill set or gender, frankly. So let's touch on the gender because you, you know, the 80s weren't necessarily the way it is now where we're still, we're still struggling with 
gender equality, fair treatment for women on the job. And obviously 1982 was probably not um, a pinnacle year of that type of support. What tools did you use to keep moving up within the organization, knowing that it was somewhat of a man's world? It's, it's going to sound kind of weird, but I decided to ensure that it wasn't my gender that they noticed first, if I could say that, but my capabilities. And mm-hmm. I worked in areas that were uh, underdeveloped for the bank. They were underrepresented. There wasn't a lot of institutional knowledge. And so I basically took a lot of calculated risk and introduced things to the organization that there was a lot of pushback. And I convinced them with my business cases, my arguments, the strategy, the, what, I, what I worked on was very customer focused, which might not necessarily have been at the time uh, the primary goal of a bank. And so they worked. And so there wasn't, uh, you know, I proved my capabilities through my work and I kind of ignored the old boys network, so to speak. I used it sometimes, frankly, in order to gain uh, support for the initiatives that I was working on and that uh, I recognized it for what it was. And I recognized that it, given my capabilities and experiences, it was going to be pretty hard to crack it. And so I guess what I did instead was leverage it and uh, demonstrate my worth through my work. I think it's important you say that because I co-founded the Female Founder Collective. Sometimes people say, well, why do you have to put woman, you know, female in front of it? And I vacillate back and forth because it shouldn't be something I have to put in front of it to denote us. But but oftentimes we find that women don't get the same loans or access to capital or yep. are not treated similar within within an organization. So I, I love that you're saying that you wanted to be seen for your work and not necessarily your gender. Yeah. And when it was an obstacle, you know, I kind of I, I challenged it a bit or ignored it. I, I have to say I, I never allowed myself to be a victim of it. If I felt that it was in the way, I'd take a different route uh, because I just refuse to be a victim to any of that. Let's go deeper on that because I feel like sometimes women can take the victim route uh, in that in that situation. So what sort of mentality prepared you to not take the victim route? It's a really good question. And I think a couple of things. You know, when I was growing up, I went to 13 different schools by the time I finished university because my dad's job moved us around a lot. So in all of those occasions, I was the one that had to adjust my style, my approach, if you will, chameleon a bit in order to not get bullied and to kind of make some kind of friends with all of those strangers. And so I would say that I worked very hard at trying to think about being in the other person's shoes whether that was a male executive or a peer or a, one of our bankers working in a bank branch. And I really used that to have as much influence and impact as I could. I never compromised my values ever, but I certainly used it, if you will, to protect myself a little bit and also to advance the cause of the work that I was doing. So it was, I think it goes back to to my roots to be able to a, I could have influence and that I realized that they were just different than me. They didn't, it wasn't necessarily because they didn't respect me or that I was a woman. I had to just, I guess I just had to work harder to ensure that I got my point of view across. And I did that. I worked really hard. Like I worked super hard. And yeah. now I look back and I go, maybe I worked too hard 
like the sacrifices that I made. And if I were to look back and say, how much work-life balance did I have? It would have been, you know, out of whack the whole time. And again, when you, the bigger the job, the harder it is because these big jobs take a huge amount of time, a huge amount of attention and energy. And so you have to be prepared for that. You can't say, I want, you know, 30, 30, 30 work-life balance and, and, and it, it make it work. It, it, it doesn't work that way. So I, I probably sacrificed some of the, I know, I know I did, not likely. I know I did in my personal life in order to work so hard to survive some of that. You know, I feel like it's a, it's every woman's quest to figure out what that magic balance is and no one has the right answer. And I, and I always say balance doesn't exist. It's never existed for men. Why did women think it should exist for us? Yeah. Oh, such a good point. Oh, for whatever reason, it's like we've been sold on this idea that, that that was even a possibility from the beginning, you know, it's like we breathe air. So we should have balance. It's, it's so true. I coach a lot of women here and I try to, to encourage them given my experience that, you know, one day you're an A plus at work, you're a B mom, you're a C minus wife, and you're a D daughter. And the next day you're a B plus daughter and a B minus at work and an A mom. And it's different because every day brings new challenges and opportunities in all the aspects of your life. And the biggest thing is to have a bit of a longer term view to say, okay, at the end of a month or at the end of a week, was it pretty balanced? Or if it's really out of whack, then let's just think about how can I readjust that balance in the next week or the next month and put more time with my kids or more time with my mom or more time with my spouse and a little less time on something else so that over time, you get to the very best balance you could be. And maybe you'll be at the end of your life and A minus on all of them. Uh, That's pretty darn good given if you really want as as a woman to do so many things, which I did. You know, I wanted to work. I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to have friends. I wanted to be in the community. I wanted to do sports. And that's that's a long list to try and do at an A plus level day in, day out. Yeah. I think the way you're looking at it is is something we all have to do. It's not how it was today, but over over a longer period of time because mm-hmm. then it gives you actually runway to change your course. So you've been incredibly instrumental in fostering initiatives like including financial support for childcare to help women return to the workforce, also the Scotiabank women initiative. Can you tell me a little bit about those programs and and the goal of them? Yes. I mean, you know, Scotia Women's Initiative, it's, you know, similar to what you have focused on uh, with your program, which I think is just fantastic. And I really want to congratulate you on it, Rebecca, because these are such your female founder collective. It's these are such important initiatives. And, you know, here at Scotia, we're so committed to that. And, uh, you know, we, we launched one of our own executive women, Jillian Riley. Uh, she was leading the commercial bank at the time. Now she's our CEO of Tangerine Bank, our um, online banking platform. And uh, she recognized it as the leader of the commercial bank that there was all this opportunity for women. She did a lot of homework herself, but recognized this significant opportunity. And so we, uh, you know, here in Canada, women-owned businesses represent about $117 billion in economic activity. They employ about 1.5 million Canadians. And so to your point, female business owners were experiencing bias in terms of decision-making around lending and access, access to financing, less likely to be approved for loans. And so uh, they only receive about 4% of the venture capital here. And so we set up an initiative. We've allocated capital to this program, and that is being lent out to organizations. In the first two years, we've deployed 
over two-thirds of our $3 billion commitment in funding for women-led businesses. We've engaged more than 3,000 women entrepreneurs across the country. We've run 100 boot camps, mentorship sessions. And now what started in commercial banking is now uh, Jillian and, uh, and a huge crew of volunteer women and men across leaders across the organization are now taking it into our global banking and markets business, which is corporate banking, capital markets, into our wealth management business, into uh, supporting them on all sorts of aspects of running a business. Uh, or if you have a board or access to capital, as, as I described before, how to manage your own money, how to set up you know, your business. And so these are all capabilities that we take into the marketplace and we do sessions, invite local business entrepreneurs in and we do sessions with them, working sessions. Sometimes they're two, three days before it was face-to-face. Now it's virtual, obviously. And uh, it's been an, an outstanding success and has driven great engagement, not only with clients and potential clients, but also with our employee base um, who will very much want to participate and help and advocate for, for female business entrepreneurs. So it's been really, really great. With the um, increased financial support for childcare to help women return to the workforce, I feel like Canada's doing a lot better on that front than the U.S. Oh, yeah. What have you seen the impact be from the resources that you've provided? And how could uh, my listeners sort of go, okay, I might have a small company and I can't do all the things, but here's one thing I could start with, or here's how I could begin to make this a more equitable place for women. Because as a business owner, I'll tell you, it's it's extraordinarily beneficial to provide those benefits. It's also very expensive. And it, you you get between that rock and a hard place, especially as a woman, where you you know you want to offer all these things, but then you're like, how do I pay for that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a couple of things. So to your point, I didn't ask answer your first question. So we do a lot. Obviously, maternity leave here can be up to 18 months. We have paternity leave. We have access through to systems and you can keep on, you know, staying connected. Uh, the financial benefits, everything stays the same. So it's not punitive at all to take time off here. But obviously for smaller businesses, to your point, it's expensive. And so I think there's a lot of things we have done, some of them that employees have found enormously beneficial that don't cost money or a lot of money. For example, we have an application now through a company called Akira, which is an app where if you're a mom at work and your uh, child falls ill and they're at school and uh, you go, okay, I've got to run and pick them up and take them to the doctor and then potentially take them to the pharmacy. This app, you take the teacher can take a picture of the wound or the or what's hurting, give a description. That could go straight to a doctor. A doctor can assess that or a nurse can assess that online and say, go to Emerge, go to your doc. I can fulfill a prescription at the pharmacy for medication for a fever, those types of things. And we have had enormous response, um, especially from parents and especially from moms, because they don't have to leave the workplace. They can understand that this is not a critical item and I can stay at work and deal with it. Another thing that we've done is set up small workshops for our employees who are in similar situations. And this has been a big focus during the pandemic where we would find parents who are now, they're teaching, our schools shut down, so they were teachers, their parents, their workers, everybody crammed in the home. We're in lockdown, nobody can do anything. And so what are the creative ideas that people have to help each other? So we create these basically like an employee resource group where we put them together, say, you guys are all in, you're all in the same, here's a, here's a situation. You're a parent with all of these challenges, or you're a single person in a tiny condo all by yourself and you're going crazy all day. 
because you don't have your social network. We connect those people so they can talk about their experiences, the solutions that they've got, meet each other. And that has been uh, another sort of source of tremendous value to our employees. And then I would say the third thing is really being open and transparent. If I was, if there was something about my leadership style that I would say is most appreciated by the company and especially as the chief human resources officer is transparency, honesty, like this is my situation. I told you about it when we, you know, before we got on the call, I do that because it makes people realize that everybody has challenges. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's got opportunities. And the more you can create that open relationship with your team so they feel they can come and tell you stuff when it's a hard time, that's the biggest thing. And then you could say, okay, if you if you need Thursday and Friday off, I can be flexible. And then we can work a couple extra hours next week because the project can handle it. Those That type of openness so you know where your employees are at and then flexibility whenever possible to adjust to their unique circumstances is really, really powerful and employees totally appreciate it. I think that's incredible. It's very clear that your care for women, your care for your community and your team shines through in all you do. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You published an article back in 2017 on LinkedIn where you shared, you know, your mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and you'd sometimes get up to 50 calls a day. But rather than hide it and have people wonder why you might be sad or maybe not performing as much. Um, I'd love for you to talk about what you did and, and how you sort of got through that time period. Yeah, that was uh, incredibly tough. She's, uh, she's still going. She's in a long-term care home. Uh, doesn't know who I am anymore, but it was, it was really rough. And so what I did was I told my boss, I told my peers, I told my management team, I told them the, exactly the situation that was going on. I said, there are times when I'm going to, my mom will call me and say, dear, I've left my purse in the food court at the downtown mall and I have to go running because she's been to the bank five times and there's $3,000 worth of cash sitting inside it. And I have to run to the food court and see if I can try and find it. 
those things are going to pop up. But what I did say was that I will have to find a solution for it at some point. Um, but please, while I'm going through this and working out how we're possibly going to support her differently, I am going to have to do this. And people understood uh, tremendous compassion. That would be something about this company that I think is there's many wonderful attributes, but that is one where people support each other and they go, OK, well, here, download it to me, delegate this to me. Don't worry about this. Let's reprioritize. We can do something else. And so we people were very accommodating, but that's because I was very straight up about what I could do and what I couldn't do. Uh, and the fact that I would, I, I was in a very challenging personal time, but to me, the honesty of that, and then having people figure out how they can help you because people want to help each other, the vast majority do. And so don't be too proud to not ask for the help when you need it. When asking for help, someone might be fearful or scared or worried they'll be treated differently, no matter the situation. Do you have any advice for how they can sort of get over that that fear of, you know, will my boss not prioritize me anymore? Or they were they look to promote someone else? I guess my biggest thing would be don't overthink it. Don't worry about what you don't know until you know. Because sometimes I won't put all women in this category, but I'll put myself in the category and a lot of my friends where we can overthink things. We can complicate it more than it really is. And to start out with saying, I have a bit of a personal challenge. I'm working on it. I'm working on a solution so it doesn't have as much of an impact on my work life. But right now, I'm going to need to have a bit of flexibility because this is the situation and the vast majority of human beings will be very responsive to that. And if it needs a workaround, then you can work together because you're obviously, if you're a, a dedicated employee, you're wanting to find a solution that allows you to work around it. And so is there a way that we can restructure this project a little bit? Could we, you know, have it on different days? Could we, so, so being creative and coming with solutions so that you're not just placing the problem on your boss's desk and going, okay, I have this problem. What can you, what can you help me with? Think about what other alternatives and, and solutions you can come with so that it's more palatable to the manager to want to work through it. And so I would encourage that's probably what I did was here are the solutions. Here's what I'm going to do to work to, to help mitigate the impact on the company. And that that look that that obviously mean, means that I really want to to continue to do a good job. I'm just a bit challenged right now. But crumbing with solutions is really very helpful. I want to underline that because it all too often, I, I have it still where an employee will come to me with a problem. And I'm like, no, you have to come to me with what, what you think the solution is. You might not always be right, but it's not my job to think of all the solutions to all the problems. So it's always great when someone comes to you with their idea of how they could solve something. Before we wrap up, is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about or any initiatives you have coming up that maybe we should dive into? There's one that I'm really interested in personally, and I, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, the impact that this pandemic has had on women. And I don't know about the, in the U.S., but certainly here in Canada, I think I think I saw a U.S. St statistic that 100 percent of the job losses in December or something were, were experienced by women or some extraordinary statistic. And here in Canada, we've done several reports and analysis of the same thing. And and it's because that the balance of workload in the home is still so heavily skewed to women. And I, you know, I was thinking about where's where's a parallel here? And I go back to the World War when it was still the vast majority of men went to war and women had to go into factories and offices and do the work. 
and replace men in those roles. And they discovered that they could, and they discovered that they were good at it. And that was the start of the recognition that women, the social norms of what a woman can do and is allowed to do, so to speak, socially, is incredible. She can work. She could stay at home. She could be gay. She can be an educator. She could be an academic. She can be a philosopher. We could do the, the world for women and their options opened up. And during the pandemic, now that everybody went home, children were home, and I'm going to say dads now, not all parents are a, are a mom and a dad, but I'm going to use it, the, the, the mom and dad pairing for this conversation. And it would be wonderful if men recognized how much is done in the home and participated more in that, and that the social norms of what is acceptable for men to do matured out of this experience, whereby men said, you know what, I'm going to take some time at the end of Thursday because I got to go and see my mom in long-term care and it's not my wife who's delivering the dinner. I'm going to do more with my kids. I'm going to take the day off to do this. I'm going to help more doing laundry and everything else because I see how much is required. And if the social acceptance of that was to evolve, I fundamentally believe that the advancement of women would happen that much more quickly. Because look what's happening. Without that sharing of duties in the home, women are having to step back. And that means the sharing of duties in the home has to become more balanced between men and women. And I think that men need to champion men who do that and remove some of the social stigma of what the definition of a successful man looks like. You know, I, you know, I, I kind of said, you know, I wrote a little note to myself for the, for the discussion. And, you know, if, if it was socially normative for dads to help out more, for dads to take paternity leave, for dads to stay at, um, to be stay at home dads for men and for men to celebrate men who do all of those things and reduce the social stigma, that means women can do more and they can advance more. So I would love it if the pandemic shone a bit of a light on that. And that one of the things that came out of this horrible situation was that more men did more, more men championed men doing more, and that women would be able to have more time to allocate to a career. Yeah. And I think it's so fundamental that it has to be on us if we're not getting that from our partners to sit down with our partners and, you know, lay out what's needed. Because I think uh, all too often, there's a fear of talking. And I always joke, you know, if they watched a baby come out of you, you shouldn't be afraid to ask for help. <laughs> but also, some things don't come naturally. You know, my, my friend was sharing with me that her husband won't ever do the dishes. But then when he does it, he does it terribly. And so it's almost like some of these skills have to be taught yep. and asked for. And it's uh, it's on us to enforce that. And Eve Rodsky ri- writes an incredible book called Fair Play that really has these uh, flashcards that literally you see what the woman is doing and it, it sort of puts the light bulb on the man like, oh, I'm not helping you as much at home as I could. And so um, yeah. I think that's just yeah. one resource I can think of. Of You're uncomfortable having that conversation. Here, here's, a, here's some flashcards to help you. Yeah, I think it's very true. And I think some, you know, the other thing we, I, I was talking with some women earlier this week about sometimes we do it to ourselves too, because we want it done our way. So, okay, it's, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. And we bring it on to ourselves as opposed to saying it's 70% good enough. He did the dishes. He didn't wipe the counters. He did the laundry. Something got blue instead of white, but you know what? Let it go because just keep on encouraging to get more stuff done. It doesn't have to always be done our way. You know, I've certainly have two sons are 22 and 24 and I've raised them that way. And I would like them to go into the business world with 
them being able to do anything they want to um, and for that to be totally socially accepted by other men too. I love it. You are so inspiring. And I think there's so much incredible advice that you shared. And and with your vast career, it's nice to see what you can say, looking hindsight at, at so many of your journeys that you've had. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been really wonderful. And uh, thank you for doing these things. They mean so much to so many women in the world. So thank you for your leadership in the whole area. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birchboxes, as well as our site.